I just, you know, it's interesting. This, this week, uh, I was down at Frontiers Base, uh, YWAM, uh, Youth with the Mission Base, and uh, they had me speaking on spiritual warf- warfare. And uh, I just, it's amazing. Uh, I, I usually speak on the Holy Spirit, or I usually do other things, but this time they had me do spiritual warfare, and I became really, really sensitive and aware of how subtle the enemy is. Now, uh, as I begin this, this is part three, I think it is, of, <clears throat> of greater impact, because the reason we're here on this earth is to really make a difference here. And we live in a fallen world, you know, and sometimes it gets pretty dark out there. But what I want to say is we're here. Jesus said we're to be salt and light in this place. And so he's called us to be that. But to be very honest with you, we can never be that to the fullest unless the Holy Spirit is operating in and through us. So I just want to encourage you this morning as we step into spiritual warfare. I want to start with something because I think there's two, two ways that the enemy is very successful. One way is to get people really afraid of him and to think he has tremendous power over them. And so uh, that's one way. But the other way is for them to completely ignore him and think that there really is no enemy, that uh, he's a figment of the, the, Bible te- the Bible writer's imagination. And uh, both, of those, both of those are wrong. And so we're going we're gonna to walk the middle line and really see the truth. I want to start with a scripture that is not the first scripture I have. It's actually uh, the one from Revelation. It's actually Revelation 12, verses 10 and 11. And so I'm going to go a little different route that I thought I was going to go. Uh, but how many know it's best to go the route he has chosen? Amen? <laughs> so I want you to just see this right up front, though. It says, and this is, uh, you know, John who was on the island of Patmos. This is where he received the book of Revelation. And he says, uh, and anyway, it says, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power, and the kingdom of our God, the authority of his Christ, or his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses man before God, before our God, day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Now, I just want you to say that, I just want you to see here that he is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses it. Notice it says of the brethren, not of all people. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, if you're not walking with Jesus, you're not going to come under the, the resistance of the enemy. Because you're right where he has you. You're headed for a godless eternity, and he is so pleased with that that he's just going to help you along the way. But I want you to know, if you're a blood-bought child of the living God, if he's paid the highest price that could ever be paid on this earth for anyone, he's paid that for you, and you've received that redemption. You've received what he did for you. I want you to know you are a threat to him. And to be very honest with you, he hates your guts. I don't know how to say it. I know we're in church, but it's the truth. He hates your guts. So because, though, if you've seen, he's defeated. Colossians 2.15 says that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he made a display openly of the defeat of Satan to all the demonic hosts, the one-third that fell with Satan, to all the angelic hosts, the two-thirds, and to the entire world. He made an open display of embarrassment to the enemy. Now, he was Lucifer, son of the morning. 
He was one of the three top angels in heaven. There was Michael, the archangel, uh, the warrior angel. There was uh, Gabriel, who was the messenger angel. And there was Lucifer. And he was basically, many people believe he was the worship leader in heaven. The problem was there was pride found in him. In, actually, in uh, Isaiah 14, it talks about how he said, I will ascend to the heaven. I will do this. I will do that. I will take this upon myself. And so pride came in. And pride was the thing that caused him to be literally thrown out of heaven. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Luke 10, verses 18 and 19. Now, what I want you to understand is he is a defeated foe. He actually has no authority over you if you're a believer. Isn't that good news? <laughs> However, he is extremely, extremely crafty. He's extremely subtle. And so we're going to expose some of his tactics today. Because I believe in that exposure, we get tremendous freedom. When we realize the power we have and who we are in Christ, we have great freedom to walk in everything he's called us to do. You know, I know in, in some places they say you shouldn't talk about Satan, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. You know, I think it's important uh, to understand your adversary. And that's what Satan means. It means it's important to understand his tactics you know, it's always important to understand that. If, let me use a, an analogy, uh, a football analogy. If you're a coach and you're playing another team, but you don't take the time and the effort to scout them out, to find out where their strengths and their weaknesses are, you're going to have a hard time winning that football game. Why? Because you don't know what they do well and what they don't do well. You don't, you don't know how to counter them. In the same way, when you don't know how the enemy operates, you'll have a hard time being aware of of what he does, and then overcoming it. So today, I believe this is a message that's going to help overcome. First of all, number one, the number one tactic, not the number one, but the first tactic I want to talk about is intimidation. Say intimidation. Now, he tries to intimidate us. He tries to act like he has total authority over us. He tries to come in and really bring fear into our lives. Fear is one of the ways he operates most effectively. I want to just tell you a story. This happened about, about three years ago. I was trying to remember the exact time. Uh, I was just lying in bed in the middle of the night. I noticed that I had something on my arm. Uh, it turned out to be a spider bite. I didn't think anything of it. I was actually ministering at Youth with a Mission that week up in Denver, and uh, I didn't think anything of it. I noticed my arm started getting bigger. It wasn't because I was lifting weights. It just, <laughs> I, there was something wrong. And it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And there was a, uh, a girl that had been a nurse who was in the, in the DTS, or the DTC, or DTS, yeah, DTS, the Discipleship Training School. And she came to me and she said, you better get in and get that looked at right away. So I went to the doctor. They gave me some uh, antibiotics, uh, but the arms kept getting bigger and bigger. In fact, <laughs> I remember I kind of looked like Popeye, you know, <laughs> you know and, and I wasn't eating a lot of spinach. Anyway, uh, the problem was, uh, so uh, eventually I went back to the doctor the next day, and he said, you've got to immediately get into the hospital. Uh, at that time, we were with Kaiser. I headed up to the hospital up in Denver. I uh, can't remember the name of it. But anyway, I, I got up there. They put me in this place with these curtains on the side. It wasn't even my own room. And uh, my fever kept going up and up. They, they started giving me something for it, but it got worse and worse. And that night, in the middle of the night, I want to tell you, I had an encounter. And I, I don't necessarily think it was Satan, but it was, it was a de demonic force. It came into that, that, 
you know, into that little cubicle that I was in, in that place that I was in. It was dark. It was quiet. And, and the enemy came in. And he said, you know, and he began to speak to me. And, and the problem is when you hear these thoughts, sometimes you don't know it's the enemy. But basically he said, you know, and he didn't say you're going to die. He says, I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, he tried to get me to think in the, in his, in the first person, I'm going to die. This is it. And this is kind of a weird way to go uh, in a hospital, nobody around, you know, just these little curtains on the side. And it got stronger and stronger. And I really literally thought I was going to die. And I just remember in that time, just... If fear, I mean, just gripped my heart uh, to the point where I couldn't even cry out. I mean, it was just, I was paralyzed with fear. And I remember thinking, and then I just remember all I could do from inside was cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I just ask you to come. And as I cried out, the Lord came and the Holy Spirit came. And somehow there was, some, I don't know, I can't even explain it, but he came and he began to minister peace and strength and healing. I wasn't completely healed but I just knew on the inside. And he said, don't worry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fight this battle with you, but you've got to hold on to life and hold on to me. And I believe this is an important thing to understand. We can't be so passive that we just say, oh, well, whatever happens, happens. You know, oh, well. You know? And so he said, you're going to have to hang on to me and hang on to life. And I remember it was a battle. It went on for, how many, I don't know, a few hours that night. And I remember when finally it got light in the morning and the, and, you know, somebody came in, and, how are you doing? I go, well, I'm alive. <laughs> I didn't go into the whole reason. But I said, I'm alive, you know. And, but I realized that we overcome the enemy not in our own strength. You know, um, there's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, and I, I think I'm going way off the notes here, but uh, it's somewhere, somewhere in there. Yeah, it's Ephesians 6, 11. Um, well, actually, it's... You know what? It's uh, Ephesians 6. In fact, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6. And uh, it gives me an opportunity to pull it up on my iPad. But, uh, whoa. Anyway, uh, it says, be strong in the Lord, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, listen to this. It says, be strong in who? In the Lord and in the strength of his might. So there is a strength and an ability and a, that goes beyond us. Now, it may be you're battling something physically. It may be emotional. It may be, I don't know what it is, but I want you to know there's something beyond yourself. It's really important to know this. And that night, I realized it more than ever before because no matter, I couldn't fight it alone. And, you know, uh, thankfully, that what it was, it, you know, uh, it, it turned out the infection was a serious infection, but, uh, you know, with the Lord's help and antibiotics help and everything, it came back, and I, you know, I'm, I'm here today to tell the story. But, but uh, what I want to say to you, though, is that it is so important to recognize that there is a strength that give, goes beyond ourselves. Now, the first thing I said is intimidation. That night I was intimidated. I want you to see in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around, and here's the key word, like. Say like. like. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Now, he's not a roaring lion. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, let me ask you this. If there's a herd of, of, of antelope and a lion comes upon them and he growls, which antelope are going to be the easiest for him to kill? 
The ones that are intimidated and are paralyzed with fear, the ones that run will get away because they can outrun them. But the ones that are paralyzed by fear, he will be able to attack. And so I want you to know when intimidation comes, the major thing you're going to have to overcome is fear. But you're going to have to recognize there's a force greater than the enemy. And so when he tries to intimidate you, understand that. The second area that, that he attacks in and, and uh, the, the, the second one I want to talk about is basically receiving lies. He wants you to receive his lies. You know, it's interesting that in John 8, chapter 44, Jesus is talking and, and he's speaking here and he says, for you are the children of your father. He's talking actually to uh, basically Pharisees and those that were playing into the enemy's hands. He says, you are of the children uh, of, you are the, ch- are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was always hated. He always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, that's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? Satan is the father of lies. Now, in the Garden of Eden, there were no lies. In heaven, there'll be no lies. In the Garden of Eden, there were no lies until who came into the garden? Until Satan came into the garden. And then he was a liar, and he, and he deceived Adam and Eve. And he said, you know, God did not say that you shall not eat of this. In fact, if you eat of this tree, your eyes will be open and you'll be like him. In other words, God's trying to hold back on you. I want you to know the enemy constantly is lying, and he's really good at it. He's very good at bringing lies in where we receive the lies. And so I I just want to tell you that when those lies can be brought to the light, when those lies are broken, your life is so much better. The lies rob you from the peace, the joy, the love, all the things that God has for you. And those lies are subtle. I'm going to just read you a little excerpt uh, from my book about a lie that really really kept me under. And before I do that, I just want to read a quote here from Brennan Manning. Brennan Manning was a really neat guy. He wrote the Ragamuffin Gospel. Uh, He was a guy that battled alcoholism. He was a Catholic priest, and he left the priesthood, uh, actually got married, went through a divorce, and went through a lot of things in his life, but was a very powerful speaker. And uh, he says this. He says, to ignore, repress, or dismiss our feelings is to fail to listen to the stirrings of the Spirit. Within our emotional life, unhealed emotions can stifle growth, but freedom comes when the Holy Spirit delivers us from the lies that attempt to bind us with emotional chains. And where do those lies come from? The enemy. But they come in and they play on our emotions primarily. They play, you know, on our mind too. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul is writing, he says, I'm concerned that you may be deceived or lied to like Eve was, and you will be drawn away from the simplicity of the gospel. And so it's really important to understand that lies are the things that really embed oftentimes in our lives. And I just want to read to you just how a lie that really messed me up a lot, and uh, one that just really in the last few years I've gotten a little, I've gotten... I won't say I'm 100% free from, but very much more free. Uh, Insecurity, low self-esteem, childhood wounds, perfectionism, shame, and fear can keep people from fulfilling their destiny. These are all barriers that hinder us from moving forward in our lives. 
These feelings have tried to rob me from my destiny as well. Lies become embedded in our emotions. For example, my dad was a traveling salesman. He was gone all the time. My mother owned a shop, and she left me primarily with nannies and babysitters. When she came home at night, she would drink a lot and check out. Because they were absent, I felt abandoned and unloved. Now, and then I'll go on to say, but Jesus revealed to me through theophostic counseling and also some sozo uh, that, that their first child, I was their first child, that my parents loved me deeply. But they were preoccupied with trying to make a living. They were impacted by the Great Depression and World War II and poured themselves into providing financially for me, but not emotionally. I realized they worried about me and loved me deeply. I saw how Jesus was very close to me when they were not around. This, <laughs> the destructive thought pattern of feeling unloved was given new light and new perspective, literally rerouted by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, I got free of that lie which followed me through much of my life. And I want you to know something. It's amazing how these lies get embedded, you know, and we know. I knew in my mind my parents loved me, but the experience was I felt like they didn't. And so I felt unloved. And so I'd go through struggles. If somebody left the church, I'd feel rejected. If, if somebody, you know, I mean, I'd go through all these things. And I'm just being real honest with you. And so the enemy had this kind of way of, that he could take me down. And, uh, man, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful to be free of that to be free of those lies. And so the problem is, let me just say the problem with a lie. The problem with a lie is that we're not aware of the lie. We're not aware. If we knew it was a lie, we'd go, well, that's a, that's a lie. You know, and so, but the problem is those lies, they're, they're so subtle that we're not aware of them. But I want you to know the Holy Spirit is the one that brings to light what those lies are and frees us, literally frees us and breaks those chains that bind us. And keep us from enjoying life, enjoying each other, being able to love each other to the fullness that we're called to. And being free, being free. And so I always felt like I had to perform in order to get love. I had to perform in the football field. I had to perform in the wrestling mat. I had to perform even in the pulpit. I had to perform. And you know what? It was a lie. And when you try to perform, you're not walking with him. You're not flowing with him. You're not, and you're afraid to do what God tells you to do because you don't want to offend anybody. How many of you know that's such bondage? Man, I'll tell you, God wants us free. He loves us so much. And it's by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit just reveals all those things. So, uh, so again, number one, we talked about intimidation. Number two, talked about lies. Uh, you know, and, and it's interesting that in Ephesians chapter 6, 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now, that word strategies is the word methodia in the Greek, and it actually means clever uh, lying tactics, basically, is what it means. That's the strategy. See, he has to use those strategies. He has to use intimidation. He has to use lies. He has to use, you know, uh, you know, those kind of things because he's a defeated foe. So that's really important to see. Now, the last one I want to talk about, the last area, it doesn't mean this is the only areas that the enemy uses, is sexual seduction. I believe one of the key areas that the enemy uses is sexual seduction. It's a very powerful thing. God gave us the desire to 
procreate. It's something he placed in us, but he wanted it to be within the bonds of marriage. And so it's a powerful, powerful thing. It's like a fire on a cold winter night. And I felt like we went from summer to winter about uh, two days ago or a day ago. I woke up in the morning and uh, I always do this stretching and then I go outside and I, I do this deep breathing outside and it was like, whoa, it is really cold out here. I looked on the thumb, it was 17 degrees. It had been 70 the day before. Anyway, uh, anyway uh, I don't know why I told that story, but anyway, the point... <laughs> The point, oh, I know why, I know why. Uh, anyway, uh, I know why. When you have a fire on a, on, a, on a cold winter night and it's in the fireplace, how many know this is a good thing, amen? But how many know when that fire jumps out of the fireplace and goes onto your carpet? How many know that's not a good thing? Same way, the same way with, with sex, the same way. It's a great thing. God was the one that came up with it. It's a wonderful thing within the bonds and within the boundaries that God created for it. But it's, it's destructive outside of that. And so the enemy uses that. He uses it in ways that... Uh, here's an amazing thing. David was called a man after God's own heart. David was incredible. He was an incredible king, an incredible warrior, won so many battles. And yet he falls into adultery and then murders the husband of the, wife, of the woman he fall, he, that, he, that he has adultery with. I mean, when you think about it, and, but because of David's heart, he received forgiveness and the grace of God. But it's amazing that a man could be taken down. So that shows you the power of that. And uh, I just want to tell you that in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, uh, it, it talks about that sin is pleasurable for a time. It, and uh, if you can just put that up because... Uh, actually, I don't have it. <laughs> okay. It says this. Uh, he chose to share the oppression of God's people. This is talking about Moses. Instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, let me just say this. If sin wasn't pleasurable at first, nobody would do it. Amen? I mean, think about it. You know, we're not, we're not as stupid as we look sometimes. But, but, but the truth is we would not do it. But it is. It has this draw, and it looks like it's going to be good, so it draws us in, but then it brings destruction because it opens the door to the enemy. It gives him an avenue into our lives. Fear gives him an avenue into our lives. You know, and we're, when we buckle under the intimidation, lies give us an avenue because we believe these things that are not true, that the Holy Spirit in Scripture changes our mind, renews our mind to the truth, and in the same way, in the same way, uh, the, sexual, the sexual seduction tries to take us out, give an avenue to the enemy, tries to destroy our lives, try to destroy our families. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I have a uh, scripture here I think I don't have. No, I don't have. Anyway, uh, uh, I have a, a powerful scripture. If you want to turn in your Bibles, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And, uh, and I'm going to read from the Message Bible because it's a little different. I really like the way it does this. But it, uh, I'm going to pick it up in verse about 16. Verse 16, and, and I want you to hear the way, sometimes the message is a little, you know, a little out there, but I think it really captures uh, what Paul was trying to say in our present-day language. It says this, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is, such as, is as much a spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in Scripture... The two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. 
the kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. Sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God, given for, made for God, given in God modeled love for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. In other words, it is so important to recognize that when Jesus paid that high price for us, that he didn't want us to take what, rep, what houses the temple of the Holy Spirit and basically just throw it out there on the, on the ground. I got to tell you, this is so, so important you recognize and realize that. Now, here's the thing I want you to hear. When you mess up, there's grace that comes in and forgives. God's a forgiving God, but there's consequences. You know, we always talk about, well, I'll just do this and then I'll receive the grace of God. There's always consequences to those things. When you sow to the flesh, you're going to what? You're going to reap to the flesh. When you, when you sow to the spirit, you're going to what? Reap to the spirit. So that's why it's so important to resist. Resist temptation no matter how it comes. In fact, uh, um, well, I've got a scripture here that I think is it's 1 Peter 5, 9. I'm sorry, I'm not going at all by the notes and the direction, but, but this is better than, <laughs> than if I had. <laughs> it says, stand firm against, this is 1 Peter 5, 9. And right before that, uh, I'm going to read 8 and 9, I think, because I think I read 8 to you earlier. Yeah, stay alert, watch out for the, your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who devoured. Now, here's the verse 9, goes right after that. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering. In other words, you can't be passive. You've got to stand firm against him. You've got to resist him. In fact, James, uh, James chapter 4, I think it's verse 7, James 4, 7 says, be hum humble. so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's really interesting, that word, resist the devil, he will flee from you, it's, it basically says he will flee as in terror from you. So when you resist him, how do you resist him? Well, you stand against him. If he's, if he's intimidating you, you use the word against him, just like Jesus did when he was intimidated, when he was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, when the enemy tried to lie to him. You, you stand against him. You use the word against him. You, you come against him, and you, you allow the Holy Spirit to, to partner with you to give you the strength to overcome. And I just, I just want to say this. If you're doing something for God, do not ex do, don't be surprised if the enemy tries to come against you. He, he's our adversary. I mean, but if you're not doing anything for God, and you say, well, pastor, hey, I'm doing great. You know, I'm not experiencing any kind of spiritual warfare resistance. You're probably walking the same direction as the enemy. I hate to say it. But if you're doing something for God, you're going to experience resistance because he's going he's to come against you. But here's the good news. The, the greater the adversity, the more you hang into Jesus, the stronger you'll get. I got a text this morning from Britton Colquitt who was part of this church. He was 
part of the Super Bowl championship Broncos a punter, and then he was not re-signed, and he, w- he went to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he went from the best team in football uh, to the team with the worst record in football. And, uh, and so uh, they haven't won a game yet. And uh, he texted me, and he showed me on his, I- on his iPhone, he texted me a picture, and he said, the high is 38 degrees with snow and winds of 30 miles an hour. Now, when you're a punter, how many of you know with snow and wind 30 miles an hour, that's a lot of adversity. And I just texted him back, and I said, hey, you're one of the best punters in the wind that there is. And I said, not only that, (laughs) the greater the winds of adversity, the stronger you're going to get in Jesus. And he texted me back. He goes, thanks for the exclamation point. <laughs> I don't know whether he meant that or... <laughs> but, but I want you to know, it's in those times of adversity where that's where we really hold on to him. That's where we become more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us. In the other times, we're conquerors, but when there's a lot of adversity, we become more than conquerors through him who loves us. I have a lot of stories in my book of, of constant attacks. And so, you know, after a while, you get used to it. And here's the amazing thing, though. The more you overcome, the stronger you get. And and, and not only that, the more trust you have in him and the more dependence you have on the Holy Spirit. And so it's important to rejoice, like James, the half-brother of Jesus, said in in, uh, James 1, verse 2, I think he says, he says, uh, brethren, and that includes sistren, brethren and sistren, count it all joy when you face various trials, you know, and then he goes on to say, because, you know, it, you, basically it's completion, your, your faith is growing and you're getting stronger, so count it all joy. You say, well, that's easy for you to say. I know, it's not easy to do. It's a lot easier to preach than to do, but, but that's what he wants you to do, uh, and so uh, I just want to encourage you uh, to, to really deal with, you know, intimidation when it comes, uh, to deal with the lies, that, 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 you know, let the Holy Spirit bring those lies to the surface, and also, uh, you know, to, to, really, to really run from any situation where you're going through temptation. I had a situation several years ago where I was going through some temptation. I remember uh, we were having lunch with, with a couple, another couple, and I just brought it out. The Lord said, bring it out now. I said, I haven't even talked to Yvonne about it. I brought it out. The, the other guy, he was a pastor, and he says, hey, I've been going through the same thing. This is probably about 12 years ago. Anyway, uh, we're, we're, we're talking. He says, I've been fighting the same thing. We prayed, and it just broke it. It brought it out into the light. If you're trying to keep it inside and just fight it with yourself, you know what? We need each other. We need each other in those times. We need to have fellowship with each other. That's why we emphasize home groups. That's why we emphasize, you know, don't, there's no lone rangers in in, in the gospel. You know, Jesus always sent them out in twos. Uh, In fact, even Tano had the lone ranger. I mean, the lone ranger had Tano. Tano had the Lone Ranger. I mean, they had each other, you know. Uh, uh, and uh, so I remember when I was growing up, that was my favorite program, uh, you know, the, the, the Lone Ranger. And I used to listen to it on the radio. And then when I saw it on TV, I was so disappointed. <laughs> I was. Because it was just, I mean, my imagination had created something much better than just black and white, just blah, Lone Ranger. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about that. But, but, <laughs> but I remember... <laughs> Oh, silver. Anyway, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> All right. But, you know, he, he was an overcomer, and he and Tano together. But he needed Tano. Tano saved his butt several times. I'm serious. <laughs> so, guys, we got to have each other. We need each other. We can't do this alone. Amen? Okay. Am I getting through? Okay, good. I just want to make sure. Okay. Um, you know, it's so important. Our response can never be passive. It's got to be aggressive. Uh, and, 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 you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 4 and 5, it says, We use God's 
mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. You know what? This, is, this applies to us. The weapons of our... Another, another translation that I memorized says, uh, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing, and, and taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's the ability we have by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us that ability so we can walk in a power. We can also set other people free. So uh, I, I just want to ask you a question. I'm just going to ask you an honest question. And, uh, and, and let me just ask you this. And by, by the way, one more scripture that I want to give you. This is really a powerful one. It's Proverbs 28.13. Proverbs 28.13 says this. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. In other words, if you don't deal with the things that are going on in your life, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. And that's not only confessing it to God. The scripture says in James 5, 16, if you confess your sins to one another, your false steps there is what the word is, parapatoma in the Greek. If you, you're, when you start to take a false step, confess it to one another. It says pray for another, you'll be delivered. And I want you to know, folks, God is a great God. He loves you so much. He loves me so much. He loves us so much. He wants us to walk in victory. He doesn't want the enemy to win. I don't want the enemy to win. I don't want you running around heaven when we get to heaven saying, Pastor, you should have told me more about this. I'm telling you about it. And I'm telling you, we have authority. And he said, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm us. That's, that's the word of God. That's not my word. That's his word. But you're going to have to walk in it. There's times you're going to have to deal with those things that you want to just get busy and push aside. There's times you're going to have to really walk in what he has. So I want to ask you an honest question this morning. How many would say, Pastor, to be very honest, you know, I've experienced some real attacks. I've experienced it might be oppression. You know, I, the enemy's been working on my mind or my emotions or, you know, or I've experienced attacks or I've experienced serious resistance. How many would say, Pastor, i got to be honest with you, you know, I, 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 I'm facing that at this time. Would you raise your hand? Okay, good. Okay, good. What I'm going to do, those of you that raise your hand, I'm going to have you stand. And here's what the Lord showed me. As you stand, I'm going to pray. But this is going to, you're going to experience a freedom and a breaking. So go ahead and stand up. And uh, by the way, I'm standing with you. I was under a tremendous attack this week. I won't go into it. But, uh, <laughs> oh, man. The enemy does not like me to speak on spiritual warfare down at Youth with a Mission. He doesn't like me to speak on it here. But guess what? I don't care. <laughs> so I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to experience greater freedom. And you say, Pastor, I'm doing fine now. But when you aren't doing fine, remember this, that you can stand against him, and you have authority. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do one, one, one more thing first before I do that. Uh, is there anyone here that you had such oppressive thoughts that you felt like you didn't want to live? Is there anybody that can just be honest? I'm just talking about right now. Okay, would you, would you, I'm going to come down and I'm going to pray over you, if you don't mind. Okay, you want to just come down? Or do you want, yeah, yeah, just come on down now. And, uh, and, and if there's anybody else that I missed. And I just, I really felt the Lord, uh, anyway, I'm not going to explain it, but uh, I just felt this anointing come on me basically to break that. And I want you to know the enemy's a liar. And when he tries to do that, when he doesn't, you know, uh, I just want you to know, you can just face me, but I want you to know 
that he's a liar. And so I'm going to break it over this man first, and then I'm going to break it over you. But I want you to know something. <laughs> I, well, years ago, it's in the book. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it. But years ago, there was a situation. I was preaching, and I had a word in the middle of the thing. And, and I said, there's a guy that's already, you've already, uh, you've already written a suicide note. And bottom line is, uh, you've planned to go home and commit suicide right after the service. Nobody responded. For five minutes, I stood there in a very awkward position. All of a sudden, the guy in the sound booth came down. I broke that spirit of suicide over him. He stood up, turned around. He said, it's true. He said, I wrote the note. But he said, because I, was, I had signed up for sound, I realized I was going to wait till I, I was going to come do the sound and then go. I just want you to know, God is greater. And I've seen him several times since that time. He's a great guy. Tony, I love you, man. So... So I want you guys to just line up right here. I'm just going to get on. The rest of you, if you'll just extend your hands. And uh, this is so important, guys. It's so important. So I'm going to break. This is weird. I'm just going to explain what I'm going to do. I'm going to break this thing. I can sense it coming on these people, trying to come against them, this oppression. I'm going to break it, and then I'm going to release God's peace. And And as I do that, if you need it, you just receive it where you are. Heavenly Father, right now, I thank you for the authority of Jesus Christ. I break every demonic attack on my brother right now. And Father, now I just release your peace. And I release truth that he's a blood-bought child, a living God. And nothing, nothing shall I mean harm him. I break every lie of the enemy. It's not his thoughts, it's the enemy's thoughts. God, you have a great plan for his life. And even now, just pour it out, Lord. Pour it out upon him. Just stay right there. Just receive. Father, I break it now. Enemy, you cannot do this to my brother. You have a great plan for his life. Even though he's experienced adversity, I thank you, enemy. You cannot take him down. And right now, I speak a new strength, a new peace to go into his life. Father, I thank you for him. Just want you to receive his peace. Know that he has a good plan. Know that the enemy is a liar. Father, I thank you. I thank you and praise you. Enemy, I break every lie, every attack over my sister. And I take authority over you. Thank you, Lord. I just release your peace now. Just receive it. Just take it and breathe it in. Take it in. Every lie broken. Peace. God has such a great plan for your life. And the enemy cannot stop you. He's tried hard, but he he cannot. He's unable to. So I just speak truth and peace into your life. Supernatural. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now I come. I thank you for my brother. And I break every lie, every attack. Father, I just release it now. I thank you the lie is broken. It's been brought to the light. My brother will live a full life. He'll fulfill the destiny you have for him. And I thank you, Lord. And I give you the glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my brother, Lord. I come against... Ooh, shoot. Oh. 
thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I release it right now. Truth, peace, everything brought to the light, Father. No more. I say no more. Enemy, you're a liar. Your power is broken. Your lies revealed. My brother will fulfill the destiny that you, Heavenly Father, have for his life. And so I release it. I release it. And Father, for each and every person standing right now, I take authority over every attack of the enemy. I thank you that greater is he who's in us than he that's in the world. And Father, right now, I thank you that the enemy has no authority over them. And I thank you they will walk in the fullness of what God has. I thank you they'll fulfill the destiny that God has. And Father, I thank you they'll depend upon you, Holy Spirit, and upon you, Jesus, to walk out the fullness of what you have for their lives. Enemy, you have no place in their lives. And we thank you, Lord, that you forgive us when we allow the enemy to have access. But right now we close every door in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, let's give him a great hand. God bless you guys. Hallelujah. Love you, man. God bless you. Love you a lot. Love you. Oh, hallelujah. Love you. God bless you, sweetie. Love you a lot. Just to give you, let me give you a hug, guys. Love you a lot.